Welcome to Built Modular, a box modular podcast. We'll help you discover just how flexible modular construction has become and how it's helping make life better for real people facing real space challenges. everyone and welcome to a podcast brought to you by Box. I'm your host for today, Gabrielle, and right now I'm thrilled to be joined by Samantha Burst of Heart and Stroke, and she's the Director of Health Policy and Systems Division located in Alberta, Canada. And today we're going to be talking about the fast signs of stroke. So here to enlighten us on the subject as well as provide actionable industry insights is Samantha. So Samantha, welcome. Thanks so much, Gabrielle. Great to be here. Of course. Well, uh, to start off, let's keep this podcast into gear by just learning more about fast signs of a stroke. But before we get into that, uh, let's go ahead and just ask you a, a brief uh, brief bio on your background, just how it is you came to heart and stroke, uh, what led you to the industry, and uh, just a little bit about yourself to give our audience a little bit of background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, my name is Samantha. I've been with the Heart and Stroke since 2011. Seen a lot of uh, changes in the landscape and an amazing amount of research and change even in treatment in, in the time that I've been with Heart and Stroke. So um, I came from a science background. I did my education at University of Calgary and I, I still live here in Calgary. Um, so grew up Grew up in Alberta, um, proud Canadian, and um, yeah, came on with Heart and Stroke after I, I did a master's in educational research and was just really um, appreciative of, of the mission of the organization. I, like so many people, have a family history of, of heart disease and uh, strokes in my family as well. I lost my grandfather um, when I was very young to, to a heart attack, um, my other grandfather, paternal grandfather had a, had a triple bypass when I was very young. It, it's one of those health conditions that seems to affect everyone. It's like, I don't know anyone who isn't affected. Um, and when I started at heart and stroke, I was just so impressed. And so, um, you know, appreciative of, of what they offer and how much change they've been able to, to make, you know, in treatment and support for, for all the, all the Canadians affected by this, by this these chronic conditions, right? So um, it's it's a fantastic place to work. I, I really, truly believe in the mission. I've seen the change and that's what's kept me here for, for over a decade. It's fantastic to hear. Well, thank you for all of your hard work. Uh, let's begin the bot with the bottom line here, which uh, what does the acronym FAST even stand for in the context of responding to a stroke? Could you take us through that? Yeah, of course. Um, so FAST, like you said, it's an acronym. It's meant to be easy to remember. It stands for face, arms, speech, and time. And what it's really meant to be is an easy way to remember what the signs of a stroke or the symptoms of a stroke look like. So F is face. Um, it's, you know, if you look at somebody's face, is one side of their face drooping down? Um, does it look different? A is arms. So in, in if someone's having a stroke, you see one-sided weakness. So if you ask someone to raise their arms up, they won't be able to raise essentially one side of their body. S is speech. So how does someone's speech sound? Is it is it slurred? Are they not making any sense? Do they not sound like themselves? And then T, the T is time. So I will probably say this five times during this podcast. So <laughs> I apologize in advance. Time is brain. Um, and, and it really means like seconds matter, minutes matter when we're talking about stroke. 
the longer someone's having a stroke, the, you know, the more intense the effects are going to be. So the T is really about time. It's like, don't hesitate. Call 911. If you recognize somebody's face is drooping, their arms are weak, and their speech doesn't sound right or it's slurred, call 911. 911 is very well equipped to also recognize those symptoms of a stroke, make sure that the person gets very, very um, timely care. Well, definitely don't worry about reiterating the, uh, the meanings of the acronym because we need to have this down pat before the end of the podcast. So uh, like you uh, were speaking about earlier, I mean, lots of people are familiar, unfortunately, uh, with the concepts of stroke, if not uh, in their own family, uh, within someone else's. So I think it'd be really beneficial to explain just what a stroke is and just what it does to the brain, if you could take us through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it seems really complicated and it's you know, in theory, it's, it's it's not. A stroke is really just any time blood supply in the brain is cut off. That, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Now, there's a couple of ways that can happen. And some of those terms, you know, you might have heard thrown around. Um, but, it, you know, there's essentially two types. The vast majority of stroke are due to a blockage. So like a clot that gets caught on the way up to the brain and, and cuts off blood supply. And that's what we call an ischemic stroke. Probably about 80% of strokes are due to ischemia or blockage. The other type of stroke, about 20% of strokes are hemorrhagic. So if you think of ischemia as being not enough bloods getting to the brain, hemorrhagic is the other side of that. It's a bleed. Um, there's an uncontrolled ble um, bleeding in the brain and then blood's not essentially getting to where it's supposed to go to those, to those cells. Um, and the effects are essentially very similar. It's, you know, this person's having a stroke. Treatments and those things are different. Um, but uh, those are essentially the two ways that strokes can occur. But ultimately, it's blood's not getting to the brain cells where it, where it needs to be. Um, you may have also heard of something called a transient ischemic attack or a TIA or a mini stroke. Um, so this is very, very similar to the, the ischemic stroke or the blockage. But essentially, a TIA, the symptoms resolve. Um, they go away within 24 hours usually the symptoms actually go away within an hour. So um, it's still a medical emergency. People still, if you recognize those fast symptoms, face, arm, speech, time, call 911, get help, get treated. Um, a TIA can very, very often be a warning sign that a larger stroke is, is coming down the road. So there's several different types of strokes that you should be able to identify or that it would serve you well. How many strokes in whole though occur in Canada and Alberta each year? Do you have that kind of data? Yeah, so we know there's about um, 108,000 strokes every year in Canada, which which works out to about one every five minutes. And then the most recent provincial data in Alberta is from about 2020, where we had just under 9,000. We had about 8,900 strokes per year happening in Alberta. Hmm. Well, can you please discuss the importance of recognizing the signs of a stroke? I mean, since we've uh, been starting this subject, I mean, it's super important to understand the signs of a stroke because when you're not always going to have someone uh, with a medical background um, next to you on the train or wherever it is you are where something like this is occurring. Uh, so just what is the importance of recognizing the signs of a stroke and calling 911 immediately? How does that mm -hmm. factor in? Yeah. Yeah, so it really, it again, comes back to that time piece. Um, every minute that passes after a stroke occurs, 1.9 million brain cells are dying. So 
it's, it's so um, and uh, again, you know, you hear time is brain. So the, the, the longer the amount of time that passes between onset of symptoms and treatments, you know, essentially the worse people's outcomes are going to be, the more severe the outcomes could be. Um, so again, and there's also, when we talk about time, there are some treatments that are time specific. So again, if you recognize the symptoms in somebody, don't hesitate, call 911. Um, you know, 30 years ago, we could diagnose a stroke, but we didn't have effective treatment. And today that's all changed. So, you know, we have very, very effective treatments, but again, some of them are time sensitive. There's certain medications that can only be given within a certain window. Um, so it really comes back to exactly what you said at the beginning, fast signs, face arms, speech time. If you recognize those, um, call 911. So calling 911 is extremely important to get them there. Uh, to recognize, uh, you've recognized the signs, you've called 911, you've done your due diligence. Uh, so now we're getting to the hospital. Uh, how are hospitals equipped to diagnose or treat a stroke? Are they, aren't they? What have you seen here? Uh, what can we do about it, if not so? Yeah, it's it's a great question. It comes down to that systems piece. And just as a caveat, I'm, I'm not part of the stroke network. Heart and stroke is, is a little bit on the periphery of that, but I can certainly share what I know about the system in Alberta, and it is similar to other provinces in Canada. So basically, um, we have comprehensive stroke centers in Calgary and Edmonton. That means there's a full stroke team on site. So you've got your neurologists, your neurosurgeons, um, and you've got all the equipment you need to do testing and then perform procedures like an endovascular thrombectomy. Um, which is basically like a stent that can go in and remove a clot and it's kind of the gold standard of care. Um, beyond that, we also have primary stroke centers, so they will have CT scan capability. Um, so, you know, testing for strokes, expertise on site, and then they also have the ability to connect with stroke neurologists via a video conferencing system that's called Telestroke. So, they can administer clot-busting drugs to treat ischemic strokes. They have the capability to do a really, really good job of assessing and treating a stroke. So that's really, again, you know, when we say call 911, the paramedics know where these centers are. They know where to take folks. Um, 911 operators will, you know, start to ask questions, recognize symptoms of a stroke. It's really about getting that process started. So the soon as you call 911, you start this, this um, sequence of events, right? Um, hospitals also will be contacted. They know to, to be ready for this person to come in. So again, it's all about that time piece. Um, calling 911 starts that process, it gets it going. And then there's these pieces that are set up so that the paramedics know which hospital to take this person to. The hospitals are where they're coming. They know how to have this, um, you know, really effective and, and really um, expedient way to, to assess and treat stroke. Well, you've set this up well because, I mean, there's specific centers for strokes, but I mean, could you take us through why uh, these designated stroke centers, the one that 9-11 operators are aware of and that they can take a stroke patient uh, to, why are these centers important in the overall treatment of a stroke? What can you get there that you can't in another facility? Yeah, it's it's really. I mean, you know, a lot of it's about having the expertise there, having the right the right folks. Um, 
in the room. And then, uh, you know, some of it is about the testing ability, whether they have the, the CT scanners and things to, to take a look at what's happening inside your inside your brain and, and make, um, make a determination. And, you know, ensuring that the physicians there are trained to do stroke treatment, right? Uh, whether that's administering drugs or whether that's doing the, the endovascular thrombectomies and actually like removing clots and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, so it's just, you know, different, different sites have different capabilities, different expertise. So we want to make sure that uh, folks are, are getting to the right places. So it's important for us to recognize FAST, to know uh, these terms, to have that committed to memory, so we uh, can recognize these signs of a stroke. How, are, how is this different from how paramedics are trained to recognize a stroke? Is it the same uh, concept? Do they get additional training? Uh, could you take us through how paramedics are trained? Yeah, um, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm not a paramedic, so I don't have incredible insight into that process. But essentially, I mean, many of the symptoms are the same in terms of the initial um, presentation. Paramedics just have more testing available to them that they can do on site to, you know, get a sense of, of where things are at and if they suspect that, that someone's having a stroke. So they can start some of that testing and that process right away in the ambulance and, and start to make a better, form a better picture and understand if this person is, uh, is, is likely to be having a stroke. No, absolutely. And before we start closing up the conversation, ultimately we need to know just how can knowing the signs of a stroke and the importance of calling 911 help to save lives and minimize just the long-term effects of a stroke, just to reiterate yeah. everything? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, the impact of stroke is, is really depends on the part of the brain that's affected and then also the length of time that passes before that blood flow is restored, right? So if people know the signs, they know it's important to call 911, get to the right hospital for diagnosis and treatment, that's the best chance you have to re restore blood flow to the brain and then uh, essentially minimizing the, the effects of that stroke. Um, you know, if signs aren't recognized or if somebody has the symptoms and, and decides to wait it out, see if they pass, um, you know, the time keeps the time keeps ticking away, right? Um, really members of the public are, are the first triggers for the stroke protocol to be set in motion. So that process we talked about in terms of calling 911, getting that whole system going um, and making sure that person gets treatment as, as quickly as they can. For sure. And for one more time before we close the podcast, let's go through FAST again. Yeah, absolutely. would, would love to. Uh, so it's face, arms, speech, and time. Uh, is somebody's face drooping on one side? Uh, are their arms weak? Is their speech slurred or jumbled? And if those things are present, it's time to call 911. The other piece that I would like to leave folks with is 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 a better understanding of the risk factors. And if you, mm -hmm. you hop onto our website, there's a, a ton of information there. But you know, everybody has risk factors that they have no control over, and then there's a, there's risk factors that we we do have some control over, and those things accumulate and add up. So it's important to be aware of all of them. Yeah. When we talk about stroke, one of the biggest things is high blood pressure, hypertension. So if you haven't had your blood pressure checked recently, get it checked, um, know what's normal for you, make sure your doctor knows what's normal for you and catch it if it starts to creep up. It, it does tend to just raise as we get older. That's important to check it regularly. It does change, but uh, in, terms of, in terms of risk for stroke, that's a really huge modifiable risk factor. 
it can be treated with medication. It can uh, be changed sometimes with some lifestyle adjustments. So just so that folks are aware that there are some things you can do to lower your risk and blood pressure is a, is a big piece mm -hmm. of that. Okay. All right, Samantha, thank you so much. Well, if, how can people reach out if they'd like to learn more about what we talked about on today's podcast and just about these and further risk factors? Yeah, uh, www.heartandstroke.ca is a fantastic resource. You will find all kinds of things there, uh, more information about stroke, all kinds of information about the research that, re that Heart and Stroke funds um, that has absolutely changed the course of, of stroke treatment over the last 50 years. Um, and then, of course, there's, there's lots of information there about risk factors, uh, both modifiable and, and non-modifiable. Um, but uh, fantastic resource there. And then, of course, we do have presence in every province. So feel free to, to get on the website and see who you've got in your province. If you have questions, we're, we're always thrilled for you to give us a call. Um, obviously, we can't give medical advice, but we're happy to talk through questions or, or, or help you prepare to have that conversation with your healthcare provider and lower your risk a little bit. Thanks so much, Samantha. Well, that wraps up the conversation for today. So thank you for joining us on today's podcast discussing uh, fast signs of a stroke. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me.